So um, important thing is to shift the attention a little bit away from the body and shift it more to the mind. Because we are predominantly training the mind. The monks don't look like, or nuns, they don't usually look like people from the gym. <laughs> they train the body, you can, can see that. But that's not the point of the mental training. Training, training the point is now of developing and cultivating the mind. It's amazing if we contemplate how much time we are putting into the body. I just try to add that up. The bit um, washing, cleaning, feeding, clothing, um, dental care, medical care. It uh, can easily become uh, several hours a day. And then you may do some sport and some exercise and some stretching. At the same time, we are acknowledging that the mind is more important. So that means we should be putting more time and effort into the mind. And that is one of the processes when someone is training over the years, they become more aware of that and develop a clearer perception what it's actually all about. It's a little bit like having a baby just imagine a dedicated mother looking after her after her baby. And she manages not to do everything and half her attention is still with the baby. And the moment the baby cries, although sometimes some danger occurs, I was always impressed with my own mother. I mean, not so much when I was a baby, I can't really remember that very well, but when I was quite young, and I would do something that I shouldn't be doing, somehow she had a sixth sense and he would suddenly come in and I was, oh, how does she know I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing? I think you all know what I mean, a dedicated, loving mother. And whatever she does, and a part of her attention is always with that baby to make sure that the baby is safe, to make sure that the baby is looked after and cared and guided and protected and uh, can develop and, and grow and prosper. Now, this is the kind of attitude we need to have towards our mind. Do you have that attitude? Do you feel like a loving mother who is nurturing this little baby and trying to grow that up into an adult. Now the adult would be, so to speak, now the enlightened Abahant. The baby is the Asotava Pututjana, the newborn baby, so to speak. They're coming out and they can't do anything. As someone who has no contact with the Dhamma, no training in the discipline of the noble ones. And then you start off and gradually you support that mental cultivation. In general, I like this attitude to train the mind a little bit like a mother. Some people, when they think of training, they think more like a sergeant in the barracks and the army. <laughs> 
whatever they have seen this in the movies, uh, full metal jacket and platoon and so on, whether they describe you know, the training in the army. And uh, if you try that with your mind, you will often find it doesn't work very well. Because the mind is often like a little child. And if you just yell at the child and try to punish it, it will often not, not prosper. So it's very important that when we try to cultivate and train our mind that that comes also with an attitude of metta and the patience of a mother. I mean, how long does it take for a child to speak? <laughs> a couple of years. How long does it take until they even can say the first word? And have you ever seen that the mother, she twice teaching the little baby, Mama, Mama, five times, and when the baby doesn't get it, she gives up on it. I've never heard of that. It would be absurd. And so we need that loving patience with our mind when we are training. We shouldn't be surprised when you sit down, you try to meditate. And it's not the first time, it's not the fifth time, the fiftieth time and more. And still the mind may be unruly. And we need that attitude of a loving mother. And they gently encourage, but not too forcefully, but at the same time they're never giving up. Always nurturing. Now we have also the symbol of the Bodhi tree. The Bodhi tree is a symbol for some Bodhi, for enlightenment, for awakening. It's actually quite beautiful because the Bodhi tree is bearing fruit. There's a fig tree. The one on top is often quite amazing how much he brings out, and the birds are very happy, like to eat the little figs. But have you ever seen it flowering? Have you seen the Bodhi tree in bloom flowering? So how can he produce food, or she? How can the Bodhi tree produce food? there's no flowers. <laughs> Any experts in botanics? The flower is actually inside, in the little figs. It's inside. You can't see that because it's hidden inside the fruit itself. It does flower inside. It's quite an um, amazing simile you know, for the Dhamma practice. Because if you cultivate your mind, if you develop your mind towards somebody, it's not like a flashy, it's not like a Christmas tree, fully adorned and flashy, or like a Fendripani or Magnolia or something that really opulent. It does flower, but it's inside, it's internal. 
not showing off. But what I wanted to say in this simile of the bringing up a tree, from even a tiny seed, or if you have a little sapling, and again you need that patience, you need that care, and one has to protect the tree, one has to give a sufficient amount of water, one has to give a sufficient amount or appropriate amount of fertilizer, and needs to get in a, a sunshine. In the case of the Bodhi tree, you can't have too much sunshine as long as it has got water and it, it loves absolute maximum sunshine from all directions. But for some trees, you also would need the appropriate level of sun and warmth. And then it needs quite a bit of patience. I don't try like to give the simile of like, like a child and maybe trying to grow the tree faster. <laughs> I can actually kill a tree if you overwater. So more is not always better. But the appropriate amount, matanyata, knowing the right measure. And it's the same with um, water and uh, um, fertilizer. You can always put too much fertilizer. Once it's the right amount, then you only have to patiently wait for things to happen. Similar in the mind, now you may feel that you have to push more, push more, but at some stage, the pushing more just becomes counterproductive and makes the mind only agitated and doesn't go anywhere. Doesn't go towards samadhi or wisdom, it just goes into agitation because it's too much pushing. Of course, no pushing, no effort, and will also not lead anywhere. Then it's just laziness and no progress. We're just giving the right amount, the right level of mindfulness, of effort, of balanced faith and wisdom. And then the patience not to let that thing grow according to its own natural and internal conditions. Anyway, Saturday is a good time for any discussion, questions, finding the peace. Yeah. Externally, maybe occasionally you can succeed in creating peaceful conditions, but uh, there's a limit to it, and you can never find peace outside. Of course, when our mind is very agitated, then going into a nature reserve is very calming compared to that. But ultimately, if you live in a forest, it's also not totally peaceful. It can be mozzies and march flies, it can be snakes and frogs which take over your toilet. And this, uh, 
you'll find that everywhere in the external piece it will only be relative and temporary. But uh, internally it is possible you know, to find total peace. Now that is you know, what the Buddha had and what every uh, Arahant had. Now, Santi is one word for peace. There's also a word for Nibbana. A true peace internally you know, is the mind free from defilements because if you're looking for peace then you have to ask what does create the turmoil or the war in fact now the mind is actually in the default position very very peaceful because the default position of the mind is samadhi most people don't uh, perceive it like that because the samadhi appears so um, difficult, so evanescent, you just can't, can't get it, it appears like that. But in reality, you know, the default position of the mind is actually peace. Just like you know, the default position of, of uh, any material object is just completely quiet. And only if I start moving it, will it move. But on its own, on a piece of timber or a phone or anything, is just lying there, not doing anything. And amazingly, it is the same with your mind. Not with the ultimate peace, but with a, a very profound and long-lasting peace, though not quite eternal, of samadhi. And the problem is that we are pushing the mind out and we are disturbing the mind so when you sit down and you try to calm your mind it can be helpful to just swap that perception around your job is actually not to make the mind peaceful because by default the mind would be in samadhi and very peaceful all you have to do is to stop disturbing. If I don't move this thing, it's just peaceful on its own. There's a certain inertia. A better example is maybe if you have a body of water and you are throwing little stones inside or you're splashing and you will have all the disturbance and all the waves. And then all you have to do no, to make the water completely calm no, is stopping that. What many people try to do in their meditation is somehow in a, using their hands to calm the waves. Do you think you will ever get the water calm like that? And the wave comes and then you push the wave down and then try it will just create more agitation now this is what many people do in their meditation they have very effort uh, to actively make the mind calm as creating more agitation what is more successful is to carefully observe with mindfulness 
what you're actually doing to disturb. And then just calm down and gradually stop the disturbing. And if we investigate that, we find what is called the defilements, kilesas. Ultimately, all war and disturbance and turmoil is always caused by defilements, whether internally or externally. If, if there's just a large group of Abahans, there would be no, no war or turmoil. There would be external peace as well. No? It's the same externally. It comes no, from the defilements in the mind. And internally you can see that. And you notice no, there's desire arising in the mind. And then based on that desire you start disturbing. And the image. And then the mind goes after that. And the desire arises and grasping and then the mind is disturbed. There's some memory or some sound, and then uh, aversion is there, or ill will. And then the mind now opposes that and tries to push it away, and that is causing the disturbance. Now this is why the Buddha describes you know, the process of developing samadhi, via abandoning the hindrances. It's a negative approach. It's nothing, nothing so much to do positive because now the mind will have peace in its default position. But these five hindrances is what is constantly disturbing the mind. So you're trying to calm down, abandon, overcome these hindrances. And as the hindrances get weaker, the disturbing influence on the mind gets weaker and then naturally the mind is more peaceful. And the amazing thing is that when the mind can be internally peaceful, this is not just the peace of samadhi, but particularly the absolute peace of the enlightened mind and the liberated mind, the mind without defilements, without suffering of an arahant. And that is a peace which then can't even be disturbed from anything outside. Now this is why the Buddha's mind always remained at peace, even if there was a split in the Sangha, and the monks wouldn't even listen to his advice. Or no, if he got abused no, or incited by people who didn't like his teaching or disagreed with him, walking up to him, inciting him, no, it wouldn't cause any disturbance anymore. So a smarter approach is to put more effort into the internal conditions for peace, because that can be done. It's not easy, but it can be done. Whereas the work for creating external peace that can also be in a limited extent and for a limited time successful, but ultimately will always fail. So similar, like I recommended, we should look more after the mind than after the body. 
because that is more important and you can get the mind healthy and free you can never get the body really healthy and free the body isn't a walking sickness in itself so similar in terms of peace so many people have spent all the time they're desperately trying to create external peace they will never be successful and, and even the Buddha couldn't create perfect peace, not even in the Sangha, much less in the whole world. He didn't have that power. Even the Buddha didn't have it, and not even in the Sangha. And he had a very good level of discipline and so on, but even in his lifetime, big problems and turmoil still occurred. And so what is our chances if the Buddha can't even maintain external peace for the world and not even fully for the Sangha, what is our chances to ever do that? No way. And the other issue is if we only focused on external condition and making that peaceful, you will notice, or rather you may overlook, you may not notice, that we are actually the problem. <laughs> Between external conditions, now, this person is creating so much trouble, and there's war because of what that person is doing. And yeah, maybe it's also the defilements in our mind with creating external turmoil and lack of peace. So when you try to create internal peace, develop internal peace, it will usually reflect externally and automatically and someone is really working hard on that and making progress and becoming more peaceful in their heart uh, there's a very calming and pacifying influence around that person which one can see you know, with these great Arjuns and of course you know, with the Buddha himself so it's just in all regards, the more fruitful work to try to do internal peace. We don't even have to create that peace, we have to stop disturbing. At least to have peace on the level of samadhi. So often a good approach is not how can I make this person peaceful, how can I make these conditions more peaceful, how can another uh, work be more harmonious, but rather to ask how can I develop my mind so that my mind is no longer disturbed by that different approach. different way of focusing your energy. Oh, this person has all these irritating habits. I'm sure you all know someone who so difficult in my mind. How can I ever have peace and happiness if this person who I can't get really away from is so uh, awful and and then the big effort changing that person or we can't change them, maybe try to get rid of them somehow. Uh, end your friendship, get divorced, 
find a new job or try to get that person out of the job. And this is all these external approaches. And all the energy goes into that. But there's the option to do the opposite and to just say, oh, what can I change ex internally without changing that person or their behavior at all? How can I abandon the aversion in my mind and the responsiveness to that? That's usually much more effective because if you work really, really hard on one person and you're skillful and maybe also have more power than that person, you may succeed in somehow dealing with that, but you probably have all noticed and there's usually another person coming. <laughs> We've got the, got the same problem again. And there's about 8 billion human beings here on this earth and there's a lot of work if you want to sort them all. I know many wives who haven't sorted just even their husband in decades with all the dedication of a wife. So what is your chances in sorting eight billion human beings? So um, trying the other approach, what can I do with my mind? How can I develop my mind? Abandoning, weakening, aversion, weakening desire, and so on, so that the same person and the same action is no longer causing any agitation and turmoil in my heart. But even on the very simple external level, even there, one wonders sometimes people wanted peaceful, but they make their lives so busy and complicated. <laughs> so if you look, why is it not peaceful? We can also simply look, what are my own outputs into the external world and how much of the lack of peace around me is maybe caused by my own actions. not always totally peaceful even in the forest. It's amazing how loud the cicada can be, isn't it? The, the tent where our team is going to go next week, uh, that is often amazing. Something like, like this size. But then a lot is perception. The one way of Making the mind more peaceful is also in changing one's perception. In my own case, I usually don't find the cicada a problem. And another one which is very loud is uh, heavy rain onto these corrugated iron roofs. But I actually like it. I don't find it disturbing. Even when I meditate and the rain is coming down, this is considerable volume level, but I find it almost uh, conducive to meditation, particularly if it's in a fairly 
fairly constant. On the other hand, if I hear a chainsaw or one of these you know, slashers lawnmowers in the distance, even if the volume is much, much less, is a big disturbance usually to my mind. I don't like that. Now that shows now that our perception is often very crucial. The same noise level, or even more, but not disturbing, and a much lower noise level, uh, major agitation, because the perception differs, the attitude differs. There's a famous quote from Ajahn Chah, it's not the sound disturbing you, it's you disturbing the sound. Have you heard that one? It's not, it's not the sound disturbing you, it's you disturbing the sound. An hand wouldn't disturb the sound. The sound would just sound waves going into the ear, eardrum, tympanic membrane that gets translated into nerve impulses and the mind has um, ear consciousness arising. But there's no aversion, there's no grasping, there's no desire, there's no identification, no sense of I, me and mine, no disliking or liking. And then their sound is not disturbed, and then it just goes through. <laughs> and we are disturbing the sound by liking and disliking. By you know, hating, rejecting, desiring, complaining. And then there's agitation. The agitation is not from the sound, the agitation is from our unskillful responses to the sound. May you have internal peace that can't be disturbed by any external factors. May you look after your body, but may you look even more after your mind, nurturing and cultivating the mind like a, a mother is bringing up a baby she loves dearly. <laughs> <laughs>